Welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much appreciated. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's using the promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Boy, oh boy, we got some news. A massive news dump right in the middle of NFL Sunday. Classic NHL. Classic NHL. But uh, the NHL is back on Friday. We had Jason Hernandez on the show, and we were kind of, you know, there was an agreement that was in place Friday that we talked about, but then it finally got uh, uh, agreed upon and signed off on Sunday. So uh, we, we do officially now know that the NHL will be returning for a 2021 season. It is going to be a 56-game season starting on January 13th. Now, that is still technically a fluid date depending on if everything goes as planned. And uh, I'm not too sure that today's uh, lockdown announcement in Ontario was necessarily in the NHL's plan. But I'll get to that a little bit later in this podcast and whether or not I believe um, there is a likelihood of a Canadian bubble. There might be. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's get you the rest of this information about this upcoming NHL season. So, like I said, 46-game season, January, or 56 games. Uh, January 13th is the start date. Four divisions. You got the North, you got the East, you got the West, and you have the Central Division. And they're all going to be playing each other. So no cross-divisionals, not even until... Not even the playoffs, but it seems like we're not going to have any cross-divisional play until the semifinals. Like, literally, until the final four teams, it's just going to be all eight of these teams, all seven of these teams in the Canadian North Division playing each other all the way through until there's only a top team in each division at the end of the playoffs. It's going to be wild. We're going to see, you know, Toronto play Vancouver you know, 10 times over the course of the year. We're going to see uh, maybe even more to that if, if they both end up in the playoffs in a seven-game series. We could see up to 17 games between two teams, assuming that the playoffs is still going to be a full seven-game uh, series, which I would assume it would be. Uh, you could see, you know, we, we could end up seeing legitimately 16, 17 games against one team each this season. It's it's going to be wild, man. The, the amount of tension that's going to boil over from game to game is going to be crazy. And um, the way that it's going to be set up also for the regular season, now they're still, I guess, finalizing it. They're not going to send out a full schedule, just a little bit, a, a part of the schedule, kind of like what the NBA did. But I guess it's starting to leak out a little bit or teams are starting to get a, a, a pretty good understanding of what a schedule is going to look like for them which also probably means that we're going to find out very shortly. But what it looks like is we're going to see teams playing each other two, three, as many as four times in a row. Um, 
and kind of like a little baseball series in a way. So, you know, Toronto, we're going to make a, a Western road trip. We're going to play Vancouver three times. Then we'll play Tor- or, or Calgary twice. And then we'll play Edmonton three times. And we hop back on the plane and come probably have a decent homestand where we'll play some guys two or three times in a row. Now, that does, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be back-to-back nights. I'm assuming some of them will be back-to-back nights. We'll probably see a lot of three games in four nights type uh, scenario to try and get this season underway. Um, and try and get it in the bag, like 56 games by uh, in be- between July- or January 13th and the end of the regular season, which is May 8th. That's not that much time to get those games in. So we're going to see a very condensed schedule, no All-Star week, um, no bye weeks, I don't think either. It's going to be just straight hockey all the way through until the final day, which is expected to be uh, sometime in early July, I believe, before the Olympics. And that's exactly what they needed to happen. It, the season had to be done before the Olympics. So that's that's basically what uh, what's going to be happening for the 2021 season. Some other information that we do need to know, uh, there are some players who will have the opportunity to opt out, just like they did in the playoffs. We saw a couple of them decide to opt out of the playoffs. Um, And these guys will have until the 27th of December to opt out. So not about less than a week to opt out. Uh, And then the 24 non-playoff teams who start their camp on the 30th, they have until the 24th. So guys on Ottawa, uh, guys on Detroit, on LA, they'll have until the 24th to opt out. Um, I did see a report that it doesn't look like anybody's looking to opt out. I think Pierre Lebrun's fired out a tweet and said he's spoken to, you know, at least a, a dozen, maybe a dozen and a half GMs, and nobody has said that they're looking to, um, you know, nobody said that they're going to be opting out of the season. So that's a good sign that we'll have all of our superstars and all the players uh, are ready to get going and, and play this season. And it's going to be weird, man. A lot of these guys haven't played since March, or at least you know seven of those teams haven't played a single game since March. It's going to be wild. Um, in terms of the salary cap, you know teams are going to have to get compliant. I've talked about it before. We have ten teams currently above the salary cap. There's still a bunch of free agents out there. A little bit later in the show, uh, I'm going to be playing free agent matchmaker. So we'll go over some of the top free agents and where I think they'll land because I doubt that all of these guys, somebody like Mike Hoffman, is going to be sitting out this year and no one's going to give him a contract. So play a little matchmaker game and kind of see if I can pair them with a team that I think they're most likely to to sign with or a good fit. Uh, we'll do that a little bit later, but... You know, the fact that there's already 10 teams currently above the cap um, makes it so much tougher for any of those guys to sign any of these free agents. And then, you know, the teams who are just under it also, it's going to be tough for them to sign them too because they're just pressed up against it. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what teams do to to get cap compliant. I know the Maple Leafs have been uh, one of those teams over the last few years who have been able to kind of manipulate the cap in a way with LTIR and all that, but... No, they don't have David Clark's contract anymore. They don't have Nathan Horton's contract anymore. They're going to either have to find different ways to manipulate uh, their their um, the salary cap. I mean, they don't really have to. All they have to do is kind of have a minimum players on their roster, which is going to be interesting because I think there's going to be so there's this taxi squad, and I don't know if you're there's going to be a roster minimum this year. 
So if there's a roster minimum of at least, you know, 25 or 26 players, because they need to have that many guys to make sure that if COVID ends up, you know, becoming a problem or guys get hurt, that they have enough players to put into their lineup that they already have, have been, you know, uh, established as COVID free and good to go because they're around the team and being tested all the time. I don't know if they're going to be able to only have, say, 20 players on their active roster, like we had said was a way that they could do it before. So that's something else that I think the, we're going to get answers to in the next little bit. But for the Leafs, it's going to be interesting to see if that's a route that they're even able to go in or if that loophole is going to be closed up for them. And they'll have to figure out another way to get themselves uh, out of that pickle. As for Tampa Bay, uh, it seems like Nikita Kucherov is going to miss some time and is headed for LTIR. So there's a way for them to knock off $9.5 million in cap space and open up some t- uh, some cap for them to get Anthony Sorelli under contract, to get, um, who's that other, Eric Cernak under contract, and get their guys ready to go. And then if he ends up missing the entire season and then comes back for the playoffs, it's going to be a little fishy. And right, he comes back for the playoffs, and by then, you know, Kucherov is, uh, you know, there's no cap in the playoffs, so he can come back and play. Or if at any point in the season we see, or early on in the season, we see Tyler Johnson get traded or Kalorn get traded, one of these guys get traded, and immediately after, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Kucherov get activated from LTIR. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, many other teams that are going going to need to get cap compliant. Um, as for fans, so it seems like the league is going to leave it up to the cities and, and I guess based on state and provincial legislation, uh, it's doubtful that anybody in Canada will get the privilege at any point throughout this season. Um, I know Toronto is not going to, they may not even be able to play, let alone allow fans in the stands. And again, we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit uh, on the other side, but a couple other notes around the league, uh, San Jose not opening up camp in their building due to restrictions. They're going to be in Arizona and could end up playing regular season games there too, kind of bubbling up with the Coyotes uh, in Scottsdale. So that's kind of a little interesting little wrinkle that we, we talk a lot about these Canadian teams and the fact that there's so many issues up here. And we, we talk about, you know, is Ottawa and Toronto going to have an issue playing in our stadiums? Is the Vancouver Canucks going to have an issue with the strict regulations out in BC? What about Quebec, who's been kind of hard on uh, on the, the Canadians a little bit when negotiating for them to play in their city? I'm sure there's a lot of teams down in the States that are also going through some issues that we're just not talking about. San Jose, just one of probably a handful that are going to have to have some serious discussions with their uh, with the provincial uh, governments, but or state governments, I suppose, down in the states. But it's going to be interesting um, how everything shakes out, and there's not much time to figure it out. Like I said, January 13th, still the targeted date, and if this stuff doesn't get um, kind of set in stone before that, or a little bit of ways before that, I would su- I would assume that this date will get pushed back a little bit. Um, but we'll we'll see what ends up happening. Um, one last thing, and I think that this is an important one, uh, and important for two reasons. One, so, well, I guess, first of all, I should lay out what it is. It, uh, the NHL and the NHLPA have agreed to, um, put ads, advertisements on helmets. So we're going to see people skating around with like, uh, 
you know, like a Swiss Army helmet or like a Sun Life logo on the helmet, whatever it may be. But it seems like uh, that will add an additional $15 million, apparently, in revenue for the league. So, you know, they're adding a little bit more money trying to uh, negate some of the losses that they're going to be incurring in the upcoming season. I've heard some people say, oh, no, this is step one to jerseys now coming into or ads being placed on jerseys. And that be good going to become a thing here in the NHL like we see a lot over in Europe. And I don't think so. Um, I kind of dispelled this on the uh, Locked On Red Wings podcast. We had a, a show yesterday and he asked me if he thought that that was going to lead to jerseys getting advertisements. You know, if it is, I think it'd be more like the NHL or the NBA or the CFL, where it's just a tiny little patch in the corner. Uh, I don't think we'll see anything like we do in European hockey, where essentially the entire jersey is up for grabs. Like the whole thing, the whole, like they don't have logos; they just have ads as their as their jerseys. You know, it's kind of like what looking at a, a Nash or a, a NASCAR um, car, I guess, or a jumpsuit from a NASCAR driver. I don't think we'll get to a point where we see that in the NHL, no matter how much money the owners lose. I don't think that's something that the league is willing to to do. Uh, Gary Bettman has been very, very strongly against doing something like that. So I don't think that uh, putting ads on the helmet is kind of uh, breaking down the wall to put ads on jerseys. Uh, so I wouldn't be worried about it there. But uh, And as far as is it going to be disturbing, I don't think so. Like, Realistically, you even watch an international hockey, right? Like, you watch the World Juniors. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure they all have, like, or the World Championships or something. I think they all have, like, a Tissot logo or a a Swiss Army logo or whatever the company that sponsors it, the the tournament is, on the helmet. So I think it's something that we already see in a lot of the hockey that we watch. So it may be a little bit jarring the first time you see it, but after game three, four, five, it's not going to bother you. Uh, I think it'll be much like fans. Like the first couple of games without fans, it looked weird. It was strange. And then by, I don't know, maybe rounds two and three, it just looked normal, which is weird to say, but but it did. <laughs> and I think ads on helmets will kind of look the same. And it just adds a little bit more revenue, which means the, the players will ha- won't have to give back as much Uh, when they have to give back the escrow at the end of the season. All right. A couple other issues, though. And like I said earlier, or I alluded to earlier, the likelihood of uh, Toronto playing in their own city, I think, is dwindling a little bit. And I'm going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'll speak about the likelihood of a Canadian bubble. But before I do, let's talk about Bilt Bar. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, cookies and cream. It is fantastic. But they also got caramel brownie, 
Cherry Barcia, Carrot Cake, Apple, Almond Crisp, and that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. Just a reminder that this show is a daily show, uh, three times a week until January 1st, and then we kick it back into overdrive with the season on its way with a show each and every day, Monday to Friday. That's five shows every day, and the only way to get it right away is to subscribe and download it onto your podcatcher so that you can get it each and every day. Uh, so the likelihood of a Canadian bubble, I, I think it's it's high at this point. When I heard that the NHL or that Ontario was heading into a provincial lockdown, one of the first thoughts, and this is probably just because I'm such a hockey nut, one of my first thoughts was, oh my God, does this affect the Leafs and the Sens' chances to play in their home arena? Like, is this going to be an issue? Does the NHL, like, were they blindsided by this? Do you think they knew about this? And I think they weren't blindsided considering that, you know, they've been speaking with the governments for the past a couple of weeks now when it comes to playing in their own buildings. I believe that this wasn't just something that Doug Ford and the Ontario government came up with this morning and forgot to inform the NHL. I think that this was something that uh, that the league was already, you know, knew could be a possibility or thought that or knew that it was actually going to happen um it was kind of to be honest over the weekend kind of the worst kept secret that this announcement was coming so i doubt the nhl wasn't aware of this um so i don't know if this is going to affect them playing in their home arena but i'm getting to the point now where i say it might uh and it's not so much if they're playing you know like i don't think it's an issue for training camp because I believe the Leafs are going to be training in in Toronto. I think the biggest problem is having these teams come from province to province, and like Calgary and Edmonton, where you see cases really spiking right now, and you just—I don't think the Ontario government wants to see the players be traveling in from there and potentially carrying this virus with them. I get that they're tested each and every day, and and that's you know the biggest reason why. Uh, this is even possible, but it's still something that it seems like these provincial governments are a little weary of. It's not just Ontario. Quebec and B.C. have also yet to sign off on teams playing in their own cities. So right now it seems like Alberta is pretty much the only city that's that's really signed off or the only province that's signed off, and they've got both Edmonton and Calgary. And we already know that Edmonton already has a bubble already kind of secured and, and ready to go. They used it for the NHL playoffs, and they're using it currently for the uh, Double I Jeff World Championships, Junior Championships. So 
if there's going to be a bubble, I, I think Edmonton would be the most likely city at this point, especially since Ontario is heading into a provincial lockdown. Um, I, I'd be surprised if that ends up being the option. You know, Alberta is already, they're, they're an extremely conservative um, province as is. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, yeah, sure, let's let's bubble everyone up here. They already did it the first time. I second time wouldn't doubt if they wanted to do it for a third time either so uh but i think i think it could happen i i I don't want it to i really don't uh i i think that it's just going to be really tough on the players mentally it's going to be exhausting on them if they have to spend the entire season entire season like remember may 8th is when these playoffs are supposed to or when the regular season ends may 8th that's a long time from now. And then into June, or July rather, for the playoffs, you make it all the way. That's You're talking January for the Leafs, who, who really hope to make a playoff push this year and have Stanley Cup aspirations. You could be out of your building and, and, and away from your home and your family literally from January 13th. Or they'll probably have to go a little bit earlier. So probably from early January all the way to uh, the you know the summer in in mid um, early to mid July. That's crazy to be away from your family. And yeah, you could probably bring your family with you, but is your family going to want to be locked down like that for that long? Like they're going to have to have some serious discussions here. I don't know how. Everything is going to work. Obviously, there are there were discussions had with the NHLPA, and clearly the Canadian teams would have been consulted like, hey, are you guys going to be signing off on this if this has to happen? And I would assume that you know the overwhelming thought was, yeah, I guess we'll figure it out. But it's going to be tough. It will be tough. And... Uh, I'd be curious to see if any teams, if, if maybe some players are waiting to hear back on this potential uh, bubble or hub city scenario before telling them that they are opting out. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But I, as of now, I truly am not confident that the Maple Leafs will be playing games down at the Scotiabank Arena come January 13th. As of now, I think I'm probably definitely leaning towards an Edmonton bubble, or at least a hub, Edmonton hub at the very least, with, with little travel. Um, probably like 60-40 at this point. So... Just to put in perspective, again, I don't, you know, I, I don't know everything. I'm not in touch with Gary Bettman or I'm not in touch with these premiers of these provinces, but that's just my opinion based on everything I've read, what I've heard, and just using my own, you know, my own mind, my own thought process. You let me know what you guys think. You know, hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck or the show at Locked on Leafs and let me know if you think we're going to be uh, you know, the Leafs are going to be able to play down in their own city and, and be able to play in hockey or play hockey down in their own building in the city of Toronto. There we go. Finally got those words out of my mouth. <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right. Let's move on here because this is a little bit more of a fun, free-flowing free flowing conversation. Boy, I feel like we need a break. You know what? Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll chat about the UFA market. And I'm going to play a little matchmaker, talk about some of the, the, the teams that might be interested in these players and match them up with said teams. But before I do, let me tell you guys about one of the Lockdown Podcast Network's newest sponsor, and that's betonline.ag. I know we're all big hockey fans here at the Locked On Lease podcast, but what about football? You guys ready? You got college football heading into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season finishing up with the playoff picture becoming a little clearer, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. That's a promo code Locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. You toss 50 bucks into your account, you get 75. That's how it works using the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. There's a couple of big games coming up this weekend, too. I already talked about some of the bowl games, but how about the NFL schedule? A real big one coming up between the Indianapolis Colts and Pittsburgh. Steelers can have some playoff implications on the line right now. Steelers laying two and a half points on the Colts in that game. Head over to betonline.ag if you want to bet that one. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease Podcast. Mike DeStefano with you here, the host of this program. We saw Anthony Duclair finally sign last week, breaking a near, actually over a month-long UFA drought where there wasn't a single UFA signed to a one-way deal since November 3rd. November 3rd, all the way until, like, last Friday. It was insane. Absolutely insane. The There was just no movement whatsoever on that market, and there's still so many guys that are available but we saw Drake Kajula finally sign and come off of the come off the UFA market today. He signed in Arizona, and it's only a matter of time before we see the current crop of UFAs and RFAs uh, really start coming flying off the shelves and start signing. I think it's only a matter of time before we see the big time RFAs uh, get under contracts. It seems like these teams now kind of have uh, a little bit of a firecracker up their butts to get going here now that there's legitimately a start date. Um, um, and for a lot of these UFAs, like I, they're not going to not play this year. Like there's some quality guys. We got Mike Hoffman, Eric Holla, Mikael Granlin, Corey Perry still out there. I know he's not what he used to be, but he was somebody who was a big factor for Dallas in the playoffs. So you know, I think he still has something left in him, something left to prove, and certainly deserves to be on an NHL roster defensively. Two quality defensemen I think are still available. Uh, Sammy Votnin and Travis Hamanick. So I'm going to go through all of these players and talk about which teams I think they could maybe match best with and who I believe will sign them in the upcoming weeks. Uh, and first and foremost, let's start off with the number one man, Mike Hoffman. Guy's a goal-scoring machine, 30 goals each and every year. This guy is guaranteed to top that number. Uh, well, I guess not in a 56-game season, but per 82-game-based year, he should be a 30-goal scorer. And a team that I'm looking around that probably could use a guy like that, someone who could use a little bit of scoring, 
is Columbus. I think Columbus needs something to try and help them out a little bit, and I think Mike Hoffman could be that guy to try and put them over the top. Um, We saw them against the Maple Leafs, and although, yeah, they beat us in the the wild card round or whatever the heck it was called, um, they just had trouble scoring. Like, we, we did limit their scoring. We just, unfortunately, could not score either. But a guy like Mike Hoffman, you put them on on that line, on that team, uh, a, a, a lethal sniper like him, I think that uh, that gives them an element of scoring that they just lacked in the playoffs last year. So Mike Hoffman, I think, to Columbus would be a pretty good one. Uh, Eric Holla, this is an interesting player. He was somebody who I thought the Leafs, maybe could have been after before they signed Joe Thornton. I thought he would be a decent fit here as a third-line center. Obviously, I don't think that he's going to be coming to Toronto anymore. They just don't have the money for it, to be quite frankly honest with you. Uh, But a team that is pretty close in proximity to Toronto, not no longer a division foe, but the Buffalo Sabres, I think, could be interested in a guy like Eric Halla. Um, you know, Jack Eichel's their number one. They went out and they signed Eric Stahl to be their, or they traded for Eric Stahl to be their number two. Kind of a little bit thin after that, and I think Eric Halla could be a guy who could slide in and, and be that number three and possibly even a number two if if needed. He's a guy who could potentially also play the wing um, if, if he wanted to as well. So I think Eric Halla to Buffalo. And, and the Sabres, it's interesting because I don't think they really stand a chance in the division that they're in. Like, that's, that's a tough, tough division. Um, but... I do believe that they want to be a a good team and they still want to put out a solid effort each and every night. And getting a guy like Hall to kind of round out your lineup would be a a good step uh, for the Buffalo Sabres who really, they they need to at least be competitive to keep Jack Eichel happy or it's not going to be too long before that guy has to leave Buffalo because he wants to win and it's it's just not happening in Buffalo. Uh, (coughs) Sorry about that. Next up, we got Mikhail Granlund. He's still out on the market. Coming off of a kind of a down year, just 31 points in 60 games. And I think a team that may be interested in his services is a team that's also kind of down in the dumps, and that's the Detroit Red Wings. They just need players who can play. Like, NHL talent is something that they lack desperately. And I think that a guy like Mikhail Granlin, who wants to kind of rebuild his career a little bit, he could fit in Detroit's top six, and and that will give him an opportunity to maybe uh, show that you know, he still is a top six player in the NHL and try and get another contract the following year with a better team. Uh, Corey Perry, another player that I was talking about earlier, somebody who uh, didn't play well in the regular season last year, maybe thought, mm, this could be it for Corey Perry or Scory Perry, as he was once known by. But then he had a fantastic playoffs and really helped lead Dallas through all the way to the Stanley Cup final, unfortunately falling to the Tampa Bay Lightning. But Perry was instrumental for that team, and and I don't know if they would have got there without him. And a team that I think that Perry has always kind of fit on, and it's two it's two teams. <laughs> Corey Perry is known for being a bit of a jackass. Like, let's be honest with with you here. He, he has been a little bit of a rough and dirty player. And there's two teams that are synonymous with being rough and rowdy, and that's the Philadelphia Flyers or the Boston Bruins. I think he could go to either one of these and really fit in with the culture. Um, And I think that they're also two teams that could 
potentially, you know, fight for a playoff spot and maybe even fight for, uh, you know, have Stanley Cup aspirations. So either one of those two teams, I think, would be a pretty good fit for a guy like Corey Perry. I hope this isn't the end of him. I think this would be a, a tough way to go out, to be honest with you. Um, I, well, eh, no, I say that. He did make a Stanley Cup final run. That's, that's not a bad way to go out either if it is the end for him. But uh, I, I think that he still does have some left to to give. And I think either of those two franchises in Boston or Philly would be a good fit for Corey Perry. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu, interesting player, really interesting. I, I don't really know if there's like a perfect fit for him because you would have thought that Edmonton would have been a perfect fit, a good chance for him to be with Connor McDavid, and that just didn't work out for them last year after trading for him. And does he go back to Detroit? I don't know. I mean, that's an option. Uh, they traded him away, though, but maybe they liked him enough that they could bring him back. That's one option. Another option that I'm thinking is maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, They're a team that's always looking for speed, 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 and they do always like to have good speed and scoring depth on the wing uh, because they just don't have much of it. So I think that they like to make sure they have a bunch of, like, basically top nine wingers that they just splice throughout their lineup. So I think maybe the Penguins or potentially he could go back to Detroit. Uh, I got two more defensemen here that I, uh, that I believe will be signing pretty soon that, that I'm going to be a matchmaker for. And the first one's going to be Sammy Votnin. And, and I think the Chicago Blackhawks are a good team for him to go to. I do like what Chicago is doing. I think Kirby Doc is going to have a fantastic sophomore season here in the NHL. We're going to get a good glimpse of what he could do with the World Juniors coming up, and I think he's going to parlay that into a great second year with uh, the Blackhawks, and I think they're actually going to surprise some teams. They could have uh, an opportunity to try and make a push into the playoffs. Like If I'm not mistaken, uh, they're on that kind of brutally awful uh, Tampa Bay uh, what are they, the Central Division? Let, let, let me quickly look it up. Yeah, so they're in the Central Division where I think only Tampa, I would say, is like a guaranteed lock to make the playoffs. And that's a little bit of a, you know, roll of the dice here. Carolina, I think, also a pretty solid team here. Uh, but then once you get there, can Columbus replicate what they did last year? Dallas, how are they going to uh, to to be this season? I know they made a big run last year. But a lot of that had to do with exceptional goaltending and defense. They, they had issues scoring, and if they can't get that uh, under control, I, I don't know if they're going to win too, too many games. So I think Chicago actually has a chance to be a playoff team, and they're hurting a little bit on the back end. So you add a guy like Sammy Votnin, uh, I, I think that you know it's, it's, it's a pretty good fit there. Uh, the other team, or the one other player, is going to be Travis Hamanick. So Hamanick is an interesting situation because Hamannick, if I'm not, uh, yeah, Hamannick was the guy, one of the lone players who decided to opt out of the playoffs last year. Um, so I'm not even a hundred percent certain if Hamannick is willing to come back because if he opted out once before, what, I mean, what has happened? What is different that he's changed his mind and is 
willing now to come in and play. I mean, that's that's the only thing that I question with him. And he's somebody who before, when he was with the Islanders, requested a trade to go out to the to uh, the Western Conference to be closer to his family before. So, you know, he's, he's a family man. And in times during a pandemic, just not so sure that he's someone who's going to want to, uh, you know, come and, and play during all of this, especially if, you know, they're bubbled up and he's not going to be able to go and see his family up in Canada. And he is from Winnipeg, though, and that would be the lone team that I believe he would be signing with would be the Winnipeg Jets so that he could be close to his family. Um, so I just think that there is... Um, yeah, he's from St. Malo, Manitoba. So I think that he's a guy who's worth monitoring when it comes to opt-outs. But if he does decide to play, I think the Winnipeg um, Jets could be an option there. You know, they're they're kind of beaten up on the back end. They did add Dylan DeMello, which will be nice. They also uh, had a nice outing from Neil Pionk last year after moving Jacob Truba to acquire him. But I still think they need some some more depth on the defense. So Travis Hamannick, uh, kind of a hometown guy, that may be the one team that he'd be willing to play for. And maybe he'll take a discount to be with Winnipeg, who is one of those teams that are also kind of right up against the cap, if not one of the teams that are over the cap and. Um, I believe, actually, they are, if I'm looking right now, trying to find it quickly. Yes, they are over the cap by, like, uh, barely anything. Uh, I think they're over the cap by, like, 81 and a half, like $700,000. So, um, yeah, so we'll see if they can make it work. But if there is one team, the Jets are the team that I think that they could go to. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked on Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at McKenna Score Canuck. Follow the show at Locked on Leafs. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked on NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked on hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. That one is finally, I swear to you, this is finally going to be the unreleased episode with the Locked On Sends and Locked On Canadians host, our Eastern Canadian Roundtable on the North Division. At the time, it was still called the Canadian Division. Now we know it as the North Division. Uh, so until then, keep locked right here on Locked On Leafs.